You're listening to the On the NBA Beat Podcast, a show packed with nuanced perspectives on the league's most important stories. Portland has three timeouts left. The Lakers have two. Bryant to shot! LeBron James with no regard for human life! Jordan. And now, your hosts, Lauren Lee Chen, and the twins, Aaron and Joshua Fishman. Welcome to On the NBA Beat. This is your host, Lauren Lee Chen, on air with my co-host, Aaron Fishman. After a two-season hiatus, the Golden State Warriors have made their triumphant return to the playoffs and are up 2-0 against the Dallas Mavericks in the Western Conference Finals. Also making his triumphant return is someone we can always count on to bring the heat when it comes to this Warriors team, Andy Liu, host of the Light Years podcast and friend of the show. Without further ado, fresh off Golden State's thrilling Game 2 comeback victory Friday night, here's Andy. Andy, welcome back to the show. How are you feeling, man? I just watched the best Warriors performance in about three years. So, you know, it's a, it's a good time to be a Warriors fan. Although I feel like every time I come on, I say the same thing. It feels pretty good to be a Warriors fan. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, the Warriors are back in the conference finals. You're back here on the show. It feels like season one again. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, uh, what was the first time I came on? Like 2015, 2016, it feels like. The more, the more things change. I don't know, like seven years ago, I was a different person. But the more things stay the same. The Warriors are in the Western Conference Finals. They're about to be in the NBA Finals. It's insane. Yeah, and game two, as you said, was one for the ages. Warriors were down 19 at one point, uh, came back to win relatively comfortably. Uh, An often cited stat after the game was that this is the 12th time in the Kerr era that the team has come back from a 15-point deficit in the playoffs. Uh, Can you take us through how the Warriors were able to engineer that comeback, especially in that third quarter when Dallas just went completely cold? The the crazy thing about this comeback is it was not your standard Warriors comeback. I saw a stat the last time two starting uh, guards uh, scored 30 points it was Portland, uh, which was Damon CJ, and that was against the Warriors. And you would remember in those comebacks, you know, it was a defense that was great, but the Warriors would rain threes, right? It would just be left, right, Steph, Clay, Steph, Clay, you know. Um, And they would just do it repeatedly until they kind of beat the other team in the submission. And that's not what it was last night. It really wasn't. It it was a lot of defense, of course. The Warriors shored up the defense in the second half after the Mavs made, I think it was like 15 threes in the first half, just a ridiculous amount. Um, But but it was was just getting to the bucket. And I think a lot of that is Steph, Clay, and Poole figuring out like, hey, we're not – we're great shooters, but we're not – like that's not our first – option anymore and I saw a lot of Steph getting to the hole Clay essentially stopped shooting threes and, and went to the hole and got wide open uh dunks and Jordan Poole's got the f- quickest first step left in the NBA playoffs and uh he essentially just got to the hole at will and I think that's different from what we've seen with the Warriors um is it better maybe it's not as fun right the comeback is great but you know everybody always wants to see Steph go dribble 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 uh, step back three right but I think those are less sustainable in the postseason I think it's pretty cool to see a more experienced championship um, pedigree Warriors team kind of come back this way 
it felt more classic basketball versus the Warriors basketball that we've seen for a long time. So it was interesting. But end of the day, right, it was a Warriors type of comeback where we used to see the Warriors come back from 15 down all the time. And and last night, I actually thought they would lose last night. I th- I knew the Mavs were going to come out here shooting the way that they did. And we just haven't seen the Warriors kind of come back like this all season. We didn't see it last season. And so when they pulled that comeback off, to me, it felt like, damn, this team is a championship team. They're back. Um, and uh, we'll see We'll see how far it takes them, right? It's only two more games until they get to the finals, but that felt like a classic Warriors moment. And a big part of that, as you said, Golden State winning the points in the paint battle, 62 to 30. <laughs> um, a lot of that on the blow-by type plays on the perimeter leading to easy layups by Steph and Jordan Poole. 38 points in the paint for Golden State in the second half of game two. Dallas only had 16 in the second half. Is that type of uh, offensive scheme something that you think the Warriors can reliably be able to replicate for the remainder of this series? Absolutely. I mean, coming into the series, that was the big thing I, I noted was, you know, they were petrified of Jaron Jackson for good reason against Memphis, right? Zaire Williams is long. Desmond Bain's a solid defender. He's okay enough. Dylan Brooks, as much as you know, Warriors hate him. I I don't, I don't like him. Um, good defender, very long. Um, same with the rest of that Memphis team outside of John Morant. And so you saw that team kind of push the Warriors into just really bad turnovers and essentially just cut off the rim, especially when Stephen Adams came back. And the Warriors essentially squeezed by that series. They they kind of like figure that series out at the end. Uh, when Jaw was out, and they beat both different versions of Memphis teams two one to win that series, right? And then you come into this series, and you're like, you're like, okay, w- we can run that same game plan again, uh, getting to the hole like they did in the first three games against Memphis. But now we don't even have to worry about a Stephen Adams. We don't even have to worry about Jaron Jackson. Like we're talking about Steph going right by Maxi Kleba and Luka Doncic down the stretch there. You know, Patrick Beverly got on the show, uh, got on ESPN, and was talking about how Chris Paul is a traffic cone. Luka Doncic is a traffic cone, right? Luka Doncic is amazing. He's, you know, damn near LeBron-like on offense last night with the way that he was making threes and getting to the hole. But he is not even he, – he doesn't hold LeBron's jock on defense, right? And, and he's, just, he's absolutely terrible. Andrew Wiggins was going at him. Steph was driving right by him. And this, and this Dallas team is exhausted. They go seven guys. They have like two, three good defenders. No, none of them great. And the Warriors know that. And it's always funny, I think. We used to watch the Warriors kind of run by teams and, and make them tired um, when the Warriors were in their 20s. Steph's 34. Draymond's 32. Um, uh, Clay's 31. Right, Kevon Looney's technically 28, but he looks like he's 48. And so we're watching this Warriors team pretty much out-fatigue or, or outrun this Mavericks team, and, and and that's what Steve Kerr always wants to do, and, and it worked last night. I've never seen a team that tired, and I haven't seen a team that tired since Houston. Um, and that's your you know, classic James Harden. He's always tired, right? So um, it was good. It was good. And as a Rockets fan, catching strays here. <laughs> uh, and you're making me feel washed, too, listing off all those ages and me realizing that I'm older than all of them. But um, Well, no, I, I do that with Sam. So Sam, a co-host, is, is like 36, 37. He won't be happy that I say this. Um, but uh, and, and I always say, you know, Steph's 34. And uh, it's crazy that Steph, you know, he doesn't have bad games in the postseason, even though he's 34, mm-hmm. right? And you, you look at Clay and Draymond and you're just like, well, these guys are 32, 31. And these guys, they just don't have it some nights anymore. They just don't. Like Draymond was terrible last night. I, I just think that just happens because – you know, you're just, you're just older, 
right? In those postseasons, it's it's a young man's ball game nowadays, and it's it's hard for him to come out there, and especially with just one day of rest, and be ready every single night. And Draymond didn't have it last night, and you know, Kevon yeah, Looney, it was it was good that Kevon was good because he was much better than Draymond. He saved him. Yeah. Looney had a huge game last night, career high 21 points. Um, that's his career high, both in the playoffs and the regular season, added 12 rebounds, 11 points in the third quarter alone. Are you surprised at all that, at his contributions? Not only that he's playing and he played all 82 regular season games, all games in the playoffs so far, but also that he's able to contribute still at a, such a high level, um, both offensively and defensively. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I'm not that surprised. Um, he did this against your your Rockets way back in the day, right? He was the guy that they essentially said, hey, go switch out on James Harden and make it tough for him. Offensively, I'm a little bit surprised. Yeah, I mean, he, he's he's going like jelly finishes at the rim. <laughs> he's like, what? With, with, no, with no explosion off the court, he's kind of – um finishing around the rim like he's like he's Steph Curry like he's Kyrie Irving it's really incredible to see and I think a lot of it is he knows that there's nobody at the rim that can guard him um even if he gets the ball and Maxi Kleba's in front of him he should still be able to finish and I think it's a large difference between this series and last series so it is surprising the Warriors spend so much time especially this season saying hey when it comes down to it we're gonna go small ball right like that was the goal coming into the season we're not gonna get any centers we're going to live with Kevon Looney and, and obviously, you know, James Wiseman. That didn't work out. But w- when it comes down to it, we're going to go small ball. And frankly, that's not been the case, right? In, in a win or go to Memphis situation, they start Kevon Looney, right? Now in the Western Conference Finals, in a situation where if you lose game two, I mean, we're talking about a 2-2 series after four, in my opinion. And they go straight to Looney and he plays 30 plus minutes. Uh, that That's not winning with the small lineup. Now, they might still close with the small lineup. But one of the main reasons, if not the main reason they won tonight, uh, is Kavon Looney. And I don't think anybody saw that coming. Nobody, except maybe Kavon Looney. <laughs> like, that was it. Maybe not even Kavon Looney. So, uh, pretty pretty impressive stuff. He's still only, like, 26 years old, I think. And um, I think he's up for a contract coming up. So, they'll, we'll, see, we'll see if the Warriors can get him back. Um, but I think this is the type of performance that it's just – I think he's Steve Kerr's favorite player. Is just the funny part. So, and Looney was huge in the game six clincher on the offensive glass too, and just on the boards overall. He had more offensive rebounds than Stephen Adams had total rebounds in that game. Yeah, I think that's a trend for the Warriors this entire postseason. For a team that I think we all think is small, and they are, they are. I mean, there are times they play Steph and pull in the backcourt with Clay at the three. That's pretty small. And they out-rebounded teams. Yeah. And Andrew Wiggins at the four, right? At the three or the four. Nobody's ever said Andrew Wiggins is a hard-nosed rebounder. Now he is, apparently. It's, it's really incredible to see. Warriors have pretty much out-rebound opponents every single game this postseason. Um, and and that's, that's crazy to see. And I think part of that is schematic where teams are selling out to stop the three so much that they're never mm-hmm. in rebounding position. And part of that is obviously Stephen Clay, um, just being Stephen Clay. But a lot of that is just, it's just hustle. And these guys kind of turning, flipping on a switch that – I never saw it coming. Otto Porter apparently now is a crazy offensive rebounder. Same with Wiggins. Um, Steph, we know, is a great point guard rebounder. It's just it's, – it's really incredible to watch. I feel like also just the elite ball movement yeah. allows you to get more offensive rebounds because then you have the defense kind of out of position. And when you take so many threes – and this wasn't the case in game two, but when you take so many threes – 
it really helps to get more looks at the basket. And we really saw that in, in that game six win over the Grizzlies. Yeah. Memphis had no idea how to guard uh, the Warriors motion offense mm-hmm. when Jaw was in. They kind of figured it out a little bit when he was out. But like you said, because they were selling out so much to, to lock up that paint um, in the three-point line, they couldn't rebound, right? They were focused on actually stopping the ball instead of rebounding the ball. And now with Dallas, when the Warriors aren't turning the ball over like they did last night, I, I just I felt like last night those turnovers just – Classic Warriors first half turnovers. I don't even think they were forced. A lot of it was just like Draymond's was terrible last night. We didn't even talk about that yet. Um, and I think you're right. When that happens, you can see Dallas kind of their heads were spinning. They had no idea what was going on out there. I think it'll be tougher against the Eastern Conference. We still don't know who comes out of the East yet. But I think that type of offensive scheme, I think we used to see it with Cleveland, I think specifically. Um, Cleveland would never have any idea how to stop Golden State's offense. Never. Um, they had that one year, which we don't talk about. I don't talk about. Um, but outside of that, they could never figure out how to stop the Warriors offense because they just never had the personnel and they never had the scheme fit to do it. And I think that's the same thing with Dallas. I do want to talk about the Warriors defense. Dallas came out red hot, as you expected, from beyond the three-point arc. Maybe you didn't expect that hot. Was it 15 of 27 yeah. in the yeah. first half? And 15 of 17, maybe it felt like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And they dropped 72 first half points. We've seen how explosive the Warriors offensive game can be to make up these deficits, but they were really getting a lot of stops. They held the Mavericks to two of 13 from behind the line in the third quarter. Um, Maybe it was due to catch up with them. They did miss some open threes, but how were they defending Luca that was able to slow him down? And also to what extent sometimes do they let Luca get his a little bit, but try to just slow everyone else down? That's it. That's it right there, right? It, that That's what the Warriors try to do. Um, they don't have Andre Godala anymore. I think Andre Godala, mm-hmm. you know, who is 38 years old, I think he's done. I mean, I, I think maybe he'll try to play in the NBA Finals, but after the season, you can kind of tell his career is over. Um, as, as much as he still could play out there if he was healthy. It's not that he's, he lacks the skill or the or the talent, but he would be the guy out there. And I mentioned Andre Godala because we watched the Warriors go up against LeBron every single season, and that was the game plan for LeBron. It was we throw different coverages at him. Uh, we, th- we throw some box in one. We throw some three, two. We hard hedge. We drop. We trap. We do everything, um, but we never do it twice in a row. And – if Luca's going to kill us, if LeBron's going to kill us, which Luca did last night, um, you live with it, right? That's just how great Luca is. Um, he's he's going to kill you, especially if he's just make if he's going to make twenty eight foot threes, right? Pack it up, mm-hmm. right? You you go ahead, shake yeah. his hand, get back in the locker room, and say, "All right, let's come back at a second half." Those, you, yeah, you, those you, are tough shots. Yeah, you don't panic, right? And and that's that's what I really love, and that's what Steve Kerr's he's probably the best coach at. He doesn't panic. So, some would say he probably doesn't panic enough, <laughs> but like his game plan with the rest of the Warriors is just that if he's going to do it, just, you just live and move on. And and you notice he run back out in the second half and they didn't change the game plan. We didn't do anything different. We're just going to keep doing what we're doing. If Bullock's going to kill us, great. If Jalen Brunson, who actually kind of kept killing him there, great. But Jalen mm-hmm. Brunson made one shot in the second half and didn't score again until the fourth quarter, I felt like. So, again, like, and that's, you know, Jalen Brunson in the role of Kyrie Irving, right? It, is really what it is. Um, 
and, and they live with it and, and, and the Mavs couldn't take advantage because they just don't have enough guys out there. They needed more wings. I mean, one could argue maybe they need to play a different style. Maybe Luka needs to play better defense, whatever it is. But I think the Warriors' process was right, even if they had lost last night's game defensively. It's hard to say that the Warriors are really missing Gary Payton the second because their defense is still holding up. But to what extent do they miss him? And how have they been able to fill that void? Ah, uh, They miss him. They miss him. He he would be playing a lot of minutes against Luka um, in that Wiggins role. I think there's only one guy on this team. I mean, Wiggins got torched last night, but he could at least hold his own um, to where he's not absolutely getting destroyed, right? And just causing double teams and yeah. forcing the Warriors to double it and then, and then leaving open shooters, right? So GP2 would be another guy that's the same thing as Wiggins, although he might even be a little bit too small. Um, but I think, I think offensively, GP2 would be – he would be a great performer on, on this team because he would cut to the whole finish of the basket. It's just something that Dallas would have no answer for. They need GP2 back. Uh, maybe not in this series, but they'll need him back, um, You know, I think, against Boston. Um, but they miss him a lot. I think Andre is probably done for the postseason. Uh, they went eight deep last night, and I would count you know, Moses Moody and Damian Lee together in the same t- in the same minutes. Um, but they'll probably, mm-hmm. they'll probably need GP2 to soak up those minutes uh, if they want to win a championship. Yeah, I feel like the points in the paint could have even been worse if GP2 played right. with the dunks and how, how he uh, spaces the floor as well. Yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to ask you about was the high-level playoff experience that these guys have from the Warriors, but it's mostly Draymond Green, Stephen Curry, Clay Thompson, Looney has a little bit. And then there's there's some of these young guys or they're not necessarily that young like Andrew Wiggins who just hasn't really been in the playoffs very often I think only once with the Timberwolves is it do you feel like it's like a kind of like a calming effect the the stars so to speak have on the younger guys or is it also maybe just like if you're a young guy on this Warriors team you're expected to play big in these big time moments. And if you don't, you just don't get the minutes. Um, and, and that's just how it is. Well, you know, I, it's an interesting question because I think, you know, if you follow the Warriors very closely, uh, they have a lot of young guys on this team that aren't playing, right? So if you look, you look at the rotation, they've got the old guys. They got, they got Steph, Clay, Dre, and, and Otto Looney in there. He's an old guy. And uh, then you've got Wiggins and you've got Otto who are veterans, but they're not young. They're mid to late 20s. They're not very young at all. And so you put – and GP2, same thing. You can throw them in that realm, right? But when you talk about young guys like Kuminga, now I'm thinking like specifically Kuminga and, and Moody. Mm-hmm. I think those guys have played some spare minutes. Those guys aren't playing. So I think the conversation around the Warriors a lot of the season has always been like, oh, can they win with these young guys while also having the old guys? Yeah, they can win with the young guys, but they're winning with the young guys sitting on the bench. They're not winning with the young guys playing. Now, Moses Moody played yesterday, and he was pretty damn good in the 10 minutes that he played. But they're not winning games with those young guys playing minutes. And I think that's the interesting part. Um, again, they're in the you know, West Finals. They're up 2-0 and all of that. But end of the day, like they're winning because of those old guys. And now if you want to say that Steph Curry has, you know, he's helping those guys like Andrew Wiggins and Otto out, it's like, yeah, I, I think so. I think Andrew Wiggins has shown like, damn, man, he might really be a 16-game player. He might be a playoff performer, mm-hmm. right? And same with Otto Porter, but I you know, I think we all guessed that Otto Porter would be that type of guy. He's so smart. Uh, I think what would be interesting is like, is Moses and Moody going to play real minutes moving forward? And I think so. I, I really do. And that, that's pretty cool to see. Yeah. 
Those are great points that you raised, and, and you're right. But I think the one big exception is Jordan Poole. Uh, and yeah, you, I, I don't you know. You talked about him. him. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's okay. I'll, I just want to mention that you and Lauren talked about Jordan Poole in the early November podcast, and you were dead on. You were saying it, it doesn't necessarily matter how he does at the beginning of the season, even though he did do well. It's um, how he's playing in March. And wow, is he playing well? He's really put it together. A lot of people expected, I think, his role to be, or maybe more just me, his role to be a little bit diminished when Clay Thompson returned, but it really hasn't shrunk at all. He's been huge. A lot of games, he's outscoring Clay Thompson. He's hitting threes, getting to the basket. You also cited that, that he is one of the Warriors' few players that's really adept at getting to the hole. How has he been in these huge moments? If there's one guy that has never lost confidence, I've never seen him lose confidence yet, it's Jordan Poole. And by the way, this is on a team with Steph and Clay. I- I've seen Steph lose some confidence. I've even seen Clay lose some confidence. Now, those guys were the two best scorers on those championship teams, and we saw them lose confidence because all the pressure was on them. With Jordan Poole, he's third option, right? So he's never going to be that main guy across 48 minutes of a basketball game. So it's it's, it's a little bit easier for Jordan Poole to not lose confidence just because he has those guys around him. But, man, the kid is incredible in the fact that, look, he's pretty bad on defense right now, but he's going to get back what he gave up and more. And, you know, sometimes that costs you in a, in a postseason series. He got played off the floor against Denver. He got played off the floor against Memphis. He was great for the first half of those series, but he didn't show up for the rest. And a lot of that is not his fault. He's just really not prepared yet. But against Dallas, we're seeing it again in the first half of a series. They have no answer for him. No answer for him. And I think Dallas is going to make adjustments. I think Jordan Poole is going to struggle. But I think the games are already won, right? Like the, the thing with Jordan Bull is he's, he's already helped the Warriors. You could say he's already helped the Warriors win one game this series. And this was game two, right? He got to the hole. He made a few big threes. That third quarter uh, run at the end and then beginning of the fourth quarter, that was Jordan Poole, right? That was Jordan Bull, Wiggins, Otto, Loon. Like those guys brought the Warriors back and helped give that lead to Steph. And Steph said, yeah, I'm going to close this thing out. Came in with six minutes left and never the Mavs never even came close. Right? And, and that's something also that the Warriors have never had. Even when KD was on this team, the minutes that Steph wouldn't play were always terrible. We'd always be sitting there and just be petrified because we'd have no idea what was going to happen, even when KD was out there. And that's not the case now with Jordan Poole. And, and look, it's not, ju- it's not just KD's fault. I think the team is just deeper in terms of the wings that they have. Like Jordan Poole is playing against around four guys that can help him defend. So really cool for Jordan Poole. 22 years old. 22 years old, like you're saying. So I, I, I'm, I'm mad I didn't bring him up. 22 years old, I think you're looking at the Warriors for the next three, four seasons. Who knows how long they're going to be good. Um, but Jordan Poole is going to be a big part of how far they're going to go next season and the season after that. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting to see what he's doing at 22. I did mention Clay Thompson, and I'm really curious to get your take on how he looks. Of course, he missed the last two entire seasons with some bad injuries, the left ACL tear and the torn right Achilles from an athletic perspective, but also just on both sides of the ball performance-wise. What are you seeing from Clay Thompson, and has he met or even exceeded your expectations this season? It feels like I always say that he has had two injuries and hasn't played two years. So I think that's kind of numbing, right? But if you always use that and put that into perspective, it is extremely impressive what he's doing out there. 
extremely impressive. He's asked to do so much. Now, he's not asked to do as much as he used to be. I think back then, if it was Pete Clay, Clay Thompson would be the one guarding Luka, right? Just And, and Luka's torching Clay right now. And Clay's, he's, his feet don't move as fast anymore. I mean, he's tired. He's older. He's playing without any rest now. Uh, and he's coming off injury. So his feet is going to always be slower. He's still got the confidence that he has shooting the ball, but it's not going in as much because he just doesn't have the same rhythm. And what I thought what was cool last night, you see Steph maturity in crunch time. He just goes to the hole nonstop now, which is really cool to see because he knows that nobody's guarding him at the rim. Same with Clay. I mean, we saw him mature yesterday to where like, dude, stop shooting, stop shooting 30 foot fadeaway threes, man. Like you just don't need the quick trigger threes anymore or the quick trigger mid range jump shots in transition. Like just don't take them, get the ball, survey the landscape, pass the ball, wait for the ball to come back to you or just take it to the hole, which is what he did in the fourth quarter. And I think that level of maturity is really cool to see from this team. And it's just kind of like, it's like when you root for a team and you see them grow up, I think we're seeing like the final phase of the Warriors where we're seeing them become the old vets, right? Like you, like the San Antonio Spurs, for example. You know, I'm 30 and I grew up watching the San Antonio Spurs come, like they became this like super boring team with like two bigs and then they become like Duncan's team where it was like defensive. And then all of a sudden they become this team that's, you know, they just pass the ball. They run this motion offense and they just shoot a bunch of threes and they won a championship playing that way. And I think with the Warriors, like they're becoming like this more mature of a team where they can just come at you uh, without shooting threes. They can come at you a totally different way. And I think if Clay accepts that, which he, I think he did last night in the second half, they're not losing games that often. And you can see the reason they lost, you know, that game against Memphis, that game two was because Clay was just going out there and he just thought that he was like 2019 Clay and he was just shooting these crazy shots. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the crazy thing is, like, this Warriors team feels like they're learning a lot in this postseason. They're kind of learning as they're playing. I don't think this is, like, a, the final form of the Warriors, right? They're just kind of working through these stuff as they're winning these games. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more show. Aaron here with a quick note from DraftKings. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the NBA playoffs? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place the same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win its game and get $150 in free bets if it does. That's promo code TBPN. Only a DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Hi, this is Kelly Dwyer. And please remember this week, download and listen to On the NBA Beat. To the other Splash Brother, you mentioned it earlier that it's a young man's ballgame and Curry is 34. He hasn't been putting up the numbers he has the rest of his career I mean, he's 34, and by anyone else's standards, they're great. He averaged 25.5 points per game on 38% 
from behind the three-point arc, but the rest of his career, he's over 40% from three. He's even taken a little bit of a step back in the playoffs too. He has some big games and then other games, he just is struggling. But it may not really matter, right? If the other guys are, are stepping up and he's making smarter decisions, forcing less stuff. Is this just something that you think might just be inevitable given his style of play and not really something to worry about, at least for the rest of this round? Well, shit, man, I wasn't worried last night. <laughs> Six for 10 from he, three. He looked really good. Yeah. Six for 10. But no, but you're right. I mean, just kind of the jokes aside, you're right. I mean, he, he's been great at everything except the thing that he's the greatest ever at, right? Like he, his shooting has yeah. been down. He's shooting 80% from the free throw line. Just weird, man. He's just missing. I mean, obviously, they're wide open. But, like, dude's 90-plus percent from free throw. He doesn't miss free throw, And he didn't miss one last night. But he don't miss free throws in, in playoff games or in any games. And he's been missing them. And um, it's a three-point shooting, though. I think teams have played him this way for five years now straight where they just throw two guys at him no matter what at half court it's just it's frustrating to watch as a Warriors fan I'm sure it's frustrating for Steph and I think that's taken a lot of the three-point shooting away from him and it's hard to get him into a three-point shooting rhythm I think that's a big piece of it but I mean he's just missing open threes and I think that's that's the big I don't know if it's a concern because we saw last night game on the line right the reason why they're only down 14 at the half and not 24 is because he had five threes in the first half to keep him afloat and then he hits the biggest three of the game to close him out. So outside of that, I would say physically he's as great as he's ever been in terms of he's finishing at the hole. He's the best defender that he's ever been in his career. Um, he's slower. I mean, you can see the crossover, the step backs, they're slower. But th- he's not worse right, physically than he's been. And he's also way smarter. We still see the dumbass turnovers every game. Classic Steph Curry. But I just think he's smarter in that. He doesn't shoot the dagger threes as much anymore, right? He does. He knows that he can get to the rim at will like he did. He did this against Memphis too, even, even with Jaron Jackson in the paint. He did it against Jokic, and now he's doing it against Dallas. He's just going downhill right to the rack. And, you know, he understands that people's criticism is always he's too small, right? He only shoots threes. And right now, when it comes down to crunch time, he's the best closer in the NBA, and he's doing it at the rim. That's an incredible thing to see. And uh, I think right now, if you're a Warriors fan, you can argue who's the best player in this series. And people are going to say Luka this, Luka that. Five minutes left, give me Steph Curry every single time. He's closing the game out. Yeah, it's interesting to see him, especially in this last game, still be able to put on that type of vintage Curry performance. As we mentioned, he did have a down year, career low field goal percentage of 43.7%, career low three point percentage, 38%. I mean, if you were another player, that's probably a career high for all. He's shooting Damien. Yeah, he's shooting Damien Lillard numbers. Yeah, he's shooting Damien Lillard numbers. It's like, oh my God. It's, 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 the standards are very high. Yeah. Maybe some of the talk about Luca being the best player remaining in the playoffs. Yes, it's Steph Curry still has something to say about that. And, and I think, I think that also the thing is like, yeah, maybe Luca is the best player. Maybe I'll concede you that. It's a team game, man. Also Jason Tatum, maybe, but anyway. Yeah, right, right. It, but it's like, at the end of the day, it's like how good the team is. Like, Luka can be the best. He can be freaking Michael Jordan. But if you're down 2-1 in a series in the Western Conference Finals, like, does it matter? Yeah. I want to come back to Andrew Wiggins as well. He's gotten the assignment to be the primary defender against Luka. Got torched in Game 2, as he said. But in Game 1, held him to just 20 points and 7 turnovers. I mean... 
it's a team defense throwing a lot of different looks at him. But also on the offensive end for Wiggins, he's been relied upon as the guy that is counted on to be another scorer, another floor spacer on this team when the Mavs are throwing two guys at Curry and having to pay attention to Clay or Poole or both hitting from the outside. Made his first all-star appearance this year, but some would say had a relatively down second half of the season, but has really picked it up in a lot of respects in the playoffs. How valuable do you think his contributions there have been, especially in this series? Guys, look, (laughs) not been the biggest Wiggins fan in my life. Uh, (laughs) Was looking to trade him before the season. Like, I'll just be honest. Like, I was not a fan. I thought he was soft. I thought he wasn't aggressive enough. I just don't know if he cared. Handle wasn't there. Whatever kind of shooter, right? Defensively, he's fine, but not elite. But right now, Andrew Wiggins is an elite defensive player. He's going to the rack like he knows he's the most athletic offensive player on the court, which he is. And he's acting like he's a champion out there. And I I never would have seen it. You know, as people say now, you know, Andrew Wiggins is a dog, man. I never saw it coming ever in my life. And I think the Warriors know this. I think you'd be lying. I'd be lying if you thought that Andrew Wiggins was suddenly going to flip the switch in the playoffs, but he has. And it really comes down to this. Like the postseason, you've got to have two-way players. You've got to have players that are either great offensively, can stay on the floor defensively, or vice versa. And Andrew Wiggins right now is so valuable defensively that all he needs to be is good offensively, and he stays on the floor. And he's been more than good, right? He hit big shots in that game six at home against Memphis – he hit two threes in the fourth quarter, and he hit a mid-range jumper with the clock running down that essentially kept the Warriors in that game so Steph can close it. And you're seeing right now against Dallas, he's by far their best matchup against Luka, and then he's also going at Luka. He drew a few fouls. Now, he didn't make a few shots, but that's okay. Like That's the type of aggressiveness that I think Warriors fans, and not even Warriors fans, the coaching staff, Steph and Draymond say it literally in the post-game pressers where it's like, we want Andrew to know that he can do this every single time. And it's not going to happen for 82 games in the regular season. I think we know he's not that type of guy. But when we talk about 16 games in the postseason, I think we're starting to realize, like, yeah, he is that type of guy in the postseason. Pretty cool to see. Uh, I think some of the conversation is going to be around, you know, a year from now. You know, are the Warriors going to pay all these guys? But, uh, you know, who cares? Right? They still have to figure out this season. They got to figure out next season. And we can take care of who's going to stay on this team after that. So I think one of those performances that, you know, Harrison Barnes made a living being that type of guy for the Warriors. Now, Andrew Wiggins is a completely different player, completely different responsibilities on the team. But I think like if the Warriors win the championship, he is going to be that type of elite, I think, elite role player. That if you think of Andrew Wiggins, who would have thought that he would be an elite role player on a championship team coming into the NBA? And again, a lot has been made of the playoff experience that the players on the team have had. But I think... There's also importance for the playoff experience and also the continuity for the coaching staff of the Warriors, Steve Kerr and Ron Adams mainly, Mike Brown back for one last ride before he goes to the Kings. It seems like they are winning the coaching battle against Jason Kidd's staff. Again, referring back to your appearance in November, you said about Kerr, Quote, he's not actively making the team worse, but he also hasn't made the team better in these last few years. Is that still something that you believe? (laughs) 
no, I mean, that's not. It's not true now, right? It, it's the defensive performance, the defensive scheme that Steve Kerr has thrown out there in this series is, has been incredible. Um, I thought maybe, and I didn't say this publicly, I thought maybe Jason Kidd would have a bit of an advantage this series just because Jason Kidd adjusts so quickly and he's willing to kind of throw shit at the wall to see what works. And sometimes in the postseason, each game matters so much that you want to try new things, right? And say, oh, we got to go and win this game. We got to go and do what we can and we'll go all out and win this game. But we've never seen Steve Kerr do that. We just haven't. We've never seen Steve Kerr do that. And a lot of the times it's his scheme is so good offensively and defensively. He doesn't want to veer away from that. And then he also has, you know, Steph and Clay and Draymond in their prime and Kevin Durant where you shouldn't do that. And I think right now we're seeing Steve Kerr understand that this is not that team. He does not have those guys in his prime. Those guys are on the tail end of their prime. And he understands that he has young players that he's going to have to be more hands-on with. And I think we're seeing that. I mean, just two things, two minor things. It's pretty obvious. He called timeouts quickly we've never seen that from steve kerr he caught timeouts whenever dallas made a couple threes in the row in the first half and the second half to essentially stop the bleeding pretty much the same timeouts that other teams would call when steph hits a couple threes in a row right um so that's one thing also we didn't see damian lee in the second half now you could say that maybe damian lee should never played but i understand why he keeps playing him damian lee's a veteran he had some few good minutes against memphis right so he threw him out there you always want to give him the first crack at it but the moment that's damian lee play i mean those five minutes that he played in the first half guys I literally don't think anybody in the world could play a worse five minutes. I, you and I could have been out there, and I think we would have done the exact same thing. He missed shots. He got a technical. He turned the ball over, and then he let guys go right by him. I don't know how you could possibly play worse. And when that happened, he basically said, okay, he's done. And I think Damian Lee's done for the series. He throws Moses Moody out there, who's 19, and he makes that adjustment. Um, so those are the easy ones, but really the big one is he came out there in game one and really, I don't want to say he stole the game with the defensive scheme, but he set the tone. Like, let's, lock, let's look at Phoenix. Phoenix guarded Luka by just saying, all right, well, you want to switch? Go and attack Jay Crowder. Go and attack Cam Payne. Go and attack Cam Johnson. How many times do we see Cam Johnson fall over trying to guard Luka? Right? It's just, the, just no adjustment, no sense of urgency. And I think with Steve Kerr, he said, you know what? We're just going to run this scheme with 18 different coverages in game one and set the tone. And that's what set the tone on Luka. And they won that game because of that. They won that for game, first game because of Steve Kerr. Obviously, the players had to execute. And, and it takes a very high IQ team to execute. But he threw that out there. And that really told the Mavs and told Luka, this is how you're going to be guarded. And they... They won that game, and since then, it's this now the second game. It's kind of more equal. It's kind of more equal now, right? Now Luca's kind of adjusted, but it's too late. It's too late now. Now after after going down 0-1, now Dallas adjusts, and now Luca gets his game. But guess what? That's where Steve Kerr's got great players, and that's where Steph, Clay, Drake, Poole, not not even Draymond, Looney, Pool, like those guys. You're gonna hit 50, you're gonna hit 21 threes. Fine, right? We're still gonna have the talent to win the second game, and now they're down 0-2. And yeah, Dallas was down 0-2 against Phoenix too, but a little bit of a difference between Steph Curry and Chris Paul. Little bit. Andy, this will be the last question before we let you go. And thank you for spending so much time with us. A multi-part question and maybe getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but looking forward to a potential next round series in the finals. Who do you think the Warriors would rather face between the Celtics and the Heat if they do advance to the finals past the Mavs? And also... If you were to set championship odds for the Warriors right now, as we're recording Saturday afternoon, what do you think you would put them at? I think the Warriors beat the Heat in five. The Warriors beat the Celtics in seven. And I am very shaky uh, in that Celtics series. Um, That Celtics team is good. 
if if the Heat advance, which I don't think is going to happen, the Warriors beat the brakes off of them. I don't think that's a close series. I think it's similar to this series. If it's Boston, that's tough, right? That that's a team that's elite defensively, and that's a team that's like Memphis in that I think the Warriors would turn the ball over a lot, and then the Celtics have guys that can just they shoot lights out, right? So I think that one goes seven. I mean, if I wasn't a Warriors fan, I'd probably pick Boston, honestly. But I'm a Warriors fan, and I think Steph has, has that series in him where he's the best player on the floor, right? And so he wins that series. If I had to put odds on it right now, I mean, just, just because the Warriors are up 2-0 and, and the Miami and Boston's 1-1, and you just never know. I mean, Jason Tatum could come out there and get injured today, right? So you just never know. I would say the Warriors are favored maybe – I don't know what the actual odds are, but I would say like minus, minus 200. Right, like would be something I, I would say would be the odds to win the championship, just just because it would not be that right if it was Warrior Celtics confirmed, but because we don't know, I think I think the Warriors have to be favored to win the championship right now because anything can happen in those series. But I think it's a much. I think if you're a Warriors fan and you want the Warriors to kind of have a better chance of winning a championship, you probably want to see the Miami Heat in a series. Um, but again, the Warriors have home court advantage. You know how many times that they've lost a chase under this postseason? Zero. Right, even though you know some people don't, some people have a lot of things to say about Chase Center, but they haven't lost at home yet this season, and they have they have at least six more home games at home before the season ends. So when the season started, I'll, I'll kind of end it with this: when the season started, I did not think the Warriors were going to be a championship team. I did not, I did not think that was possible. There were too many questions, uh, too many things about this team that could go wrong. And now that the the Warriors are six wins away. Um, from winning a title I, I don't want to say that that's already a success because they have a lot of great players on this team that only that are only looking to win a championship as the as the kind of measure of success but it's been a pretty awesome season to see from the Warriors so far yeah I mean if things feel very right only two more home games right Andy <laughs> if there are only two more home games and the Warriors win the championship you could probably put this in the Mount Rushmore of great postseason runs I mean seriously there's a real chance here that the Mavs get swept because game two was the Mavs best effort I think right like I think I now I, I picked the Warriors in six this series I now think the Warriors go in five but like, man, they got an incredible team shooting performance and an incredible Luka performance. They lost by almost double digits. So I don't know how much the Mavs have left in the tank. Yeah, this could be a sweep. And then they got the rest. There's one team this postseason that needs rest. It's the Warriors, man. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be a great ending coming coming our way. Andy, it's always a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you again for spending the time jumping on the show with us. And good luck to you and the Warriors here on out. Thanks, brother. I appreciate you guys, man. Another huge thanks to Andy Liu for joining us today. And be sure to find more from him on Twitter at Andy K.H. Liu and by tuning in to the Light Years podcast. This episode was hosted, edited, and produced by me, Lauren Lee Chen, and Aaron Fishman, whom you can follow on Twitter at Lauren L. Chen and at by Aaron Fish, respectively. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe for more episodes by searching On the NBA Beat wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel so inclined, it'd be much appreciated if you dropped a five-star rating and review while you're there. On the NBA Beat is part of the Basketball Podcast Network.